Welcome to episode 132 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC animated universe co-created by Bruce Tim. I am Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Dexter. We're back on topic this week. For now. <laughs> on topic as we can be. We will be off topic once again next week. Yes. I swear to God, we're not actually trying to stretch out Zeta. It's just been a matter of timing. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I happen to have two weekends in quick succession that I had to go out of town. So we got to pre-record episodes and mm-hmm. our logic with these is always that. Yeah. Well, it, you also just got a new job. My job yeah, has that's been crazy true. for the past few weeks. Yeah. So it's, it's become a timing thing. And, uh, you know, we, we kind of feel like with the, the traditional episodes, given that we do talk about news, we try and actually keep them as relative close to the actual, uh, air date as possible rather than like putting them in the can two weeks early. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so you get a bonus episode next week. I think you all know what it'll be about, but that will come later. Later. Uh, until then, we have some news to talk about. We have a about. lot of news we, to talk we, about. Yeah, because again, we, we were a week off, so there's lots of things to talk about. Um, shall we start with what we all knew was inevitable? Uh, Tom Hardy continuing to grow a beard? Yes, Tom Hardy continuing to look devilishly handsome with a beard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... He may now be part of the MCU. Potentially. <laughs> yeah, I mean, essentially that is a potential consequence of Spider-Man once again being in the MCU. Okay, was anyone actually expecting this not to happen? My fear was Disney was going to put in a bid for for Sony. I don't think so. Uh, I think that was a lot of people's Why? fear. Why? They have nothing to gain. They have Spider-Man to gain. And nothing else. <laughs> uh white tiger uh what is what was white tiger it's one of the it's another like uh, oh no the spider-man, Spider-Man character? character no okay <laughs> okay no no outside i was thinking of like random yeah craven tr- the hunter i mean craven's great look mm-hmm. not trying to be mean outside of spider-man name a property sony has that someone actually would want i feel like sony doesn't want sony properties yeah i can't Excuse me, I can't. Think. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when Cameron drinks Dr. Pepper on the podcast. I have been so tired. I needed as much sugar in my system as possible to get I do to love this you just came out of a kickball game. Mm-hmm. You're still dressed in your, I was going to say kickball fatigues, but no one calls them that. Uniform? Attire. Attire. Yes. Wardrobe. Uh, and most people would want water. Gatorade, I, I water. maybe maybe uh, a Pedialyte. Thank you for that, that wonderful. Actually, keep keep doing that. No. We'll, we'll, we'll make this an ASMR podcast. No, this podcast is still above water. <laughs> oh. oh, you stole my dad joke. I did. How dare you? It's fighting words right there. There's only room for one not dad dad joker in this place. Mm-hmm. And that's dad? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. My dad. Never gonna be on the podcast. Um, but no, I mean, I think Spider Man was always going to come back to the MCU. Like, yeah, th- there was too much to lose for both parties mm-hmm. in this whole thing. Um, and at the end of the day, Disney could have gotten away without having Spider Man back, and I think would have been worse off for it. But the MCU would have continued to thrive. People just would have been disappointed. Yeah, but Sony needed this. Have they announced? all of the terms that have come with it, or have they just no, given the blanket the, statement the, of Spider-Man still in the, the MCU? Minor, from what I've read, and I'm sure I'm not 100% on this because I, I looked it up a while ago and it's been it's been a little bit of time. My understanding is that Disney now gets 25% mm-hmm. of the box office. 
Uh, on top of that, Spider-Man will be back for one more film to round out the home trilogy, whatever that ends up being. Uh, in addition, I think he's ske- somewhere between set and scheduled, scheduled, mm-hmm. scheduled to appear in one more crossover film. So right. probably whatever the next Avengers film is. Now there might be more stuff beyond that that'll get negotiated. Who knows? Uh, but I, I feel like this was always inevitable, right? Yeah, and I, at that point, just move, just like leave New York, and then it'll be fine. Yeah. And look, I'm I'm very happy. This is. The way it went, I don't think anyone was really excited about a Spider-Man movie that not only would not be set in the MCU, but would have to actively ignore it, considering what a huge part it's been up to this point. I mean, even if the new movie really doesn't include anything Iron Man related, which I would kind of hope they would move down the line from that, it just, you it, the, it would be noticeable. All of a sudden, he's in the city, and they would have to cut out any references to anything MCU at that point, which is really hard to do. Yeah. Um, even to the point of like characters, like you wouldn't be able to talk about Tony Stark. And I feel like even if he's not present, he'll get mentioned at some point. So, um, no, I'm super happy about this, but I guess they vaguely alluded to the possibility of more interaction between the MCU and the existing Sony films, um, to the point, the, the one existing Sony film, what Venom, Venom. Yeah. Well, but they also made reference to the fact that Spider-Man's the, as they put it, the only hero that can jump between dimensions or universes. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. There might be something there. So, I mean, look, if they were to do a Roger Rabbit style, like live action animation. Don't, don't tease me like Spider-Man this. movie. I would fucking love that. I think Lord and Miller are probably the few people on the planet who could actually pull that off and mm-hmm. have it really work. Uh, but I mean, look, we we're at that point now where it's. A real possibility. I mean, a- another piece of news this week was we finally were getting our first look at uh, the returning Superman mm-hmm. in the Arrowverse crossover. So we got to see our first look at Brandon Routh in the Kingdom Come Superman suit. Looks great. Yeah. I-, I saw at least one person basically ask on Twitter, is this the best yet live action Superman suit? It's kind of hard to argue with that. I-, I think so. It looks, I mean, it's like comic accurate. It looks good on him. He's been working out hard to get to get the, I mean, he's always been in good shape, but like to really get back up in Superman shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we got to see a photo of him in the full suit. We got to see a photo of him standing next to uh, Tyler Hoechlin's Superman as well. Yeah, that was weird. I liked it. it, it it's cool, but we're, I mean, we're going to see three Supermen in this movie. Yeah. In this uh, TV Exactly. Show. Cause we've also, we got to see uh, a shot of uh, Tom Welling with the Tyler Hoechlin and that, mm-hmm. um, I forget the actress who plays that version of Lois Lane, but you know, have you, uh, quick, quick early tangent, have you watched The Politician yet? I haven't. Okay. Um, the guy that's uh, running against Ben Platt in that show is Tom Welling 2.0. Really? Yeah. Mm. Have you seen a photo of him? Uh, no, but you bet your ass I'm looking it up right now. I, I have literally been waiting to... I, I haven't texted you about it all week because I wanted to bring it up on the podcast. What, what's you know, the character's name or what he... Uh, hold on politician his like name rival uh i think his name is river yeah uh david uh corn sweat the politician river looking him up looking him up oh holy shit yeah it's, it's i mean he's like somewhere but he actually looks somewhere between tom welling and henry cavill yeah and so even in the show they make a joke of like you can't just be superman it's like that's Jeez, Tom Long yeah, 2.0. Yeah. Oh my God. Like he is he English? Uh, Not that matters. Only the most recent Superman is actually English. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, I mean, he he has an American accent in the in the show, so I don't yeah. know if it's if it's authentic or not. Uh, 
But yeah, I, he, he came on screen and I'm like, oh shit, that's Superman. Okay, I might have to watch this. Uh, I was hesitant to because I feel like Ryan Murphy can't write an ending. Uh, surprisingly, the way he set up season two, I'm way more excited for that than what this initial show was. Okay. All right. I, I might give it a shot. I mean, it looks... It, it's very weird. It's a very... I mean, it's Ryan Murphy. It's a very yeah. weird show. It's very much teenagers talking like, you know, people way, like, way older and way smarter than them. Okay. So it's like a... A lot of, I mean, they're all it's like it, an Aaron Sorkin teen drama. Yes, it very much. It, it's very West Wing esque. Okay, I mean, it, it's like I do love me some Sorkin. Yeah, it's it's very much because um, it's about running for a the senior election. Yeah, and so it's the the political game of running for election, while also having all of the crazy unnecessary high school drama wrapped around it. That does sound pretty spectacular, mm-hmm. actually. And they're all, you know, it's a very rich Santa Barbara school. Yeah. And so it's all millionaires. Oh, my uh, God. Ben Platt's family is, you know, like this multi-billionaire family. Uh, and so it's, it's, you know, it's them just throwing their money around for the election. His, his two brothers are just like these super douchey. Uh, like if the Winklevoss twins were just really dumb, that's who kind of these characters would be. That's amazing. All right, I'll give. I'll try and give it a shot. I'll try and yeah. squeeze in some time to watch it. It was, it was going to be my plug. I just wanted to talk about it. Now. Okay, no, we, just, we, just we, so we could talk about how beautiful this man is. Yeah, no, he is absolutely gorgeous. He could very much be a Superman. Yeah, um, but yeah, like so we're we're seeing all these these characters come back. So it's like, I mean, we know how much everyone loves nostalgia right now. So I look, it would be harder to do it at a cinematic level. I am saying right now, I'm not putting it off the table that at some point we might at least get cameos from Tobey Maguire and or Andrew Garfield in some sort of weird Spider-Man crossover I, thing. I feel like Toby just would say no. I Like Andrew I, Garfield, I bet, would do it. I See, I almost feel like the opposite. I feel like Tobey Maguire now is what, by the time it would happen, it would be like 20 years, closing in 20 years since he last did it. Mm-hmm. And I think... The difference there is people, for the most part, look back fondly on those movies. I mean, everyone obviously lampoons the third one for its like absurdities, but most people still really hold the first one, especially the second one, in pretty high regards. And most people still really like his interpretation of Spider-Man. Yeah, and I, I think at least Tobey Maguire got like you know two good movies. I'd say like one great movie, one good movie, and one bad movie. Whereas Andrew Garfield, I think, was doing a really good job in two bad movies, mm-hmm. one awful and one like fine and like yeah. passable. So I almost feel like maybe Andrew Garfield might be slightly more cynical about it. I mean, this is pure fucking speculation. Well, I, part, I'm just taking it from the perspective of Toby has had to live with these movies for so long. I just feel like he's tired of answering the same questions, doing the same thing about it. Yeah, but I guess he's been he's been away from it for so long. He might be able to lure him back. I mean, mm-hmm. like, I mean, because, you know, if you were to say the same things about like, you know, like a Tom Welling did that for 10 years, like it's been long enough. You might be like, OK, it might be fun to come back and do like a brief cameo. Whereas I feel like Andrew Garfield maybe never got a chance to like close out his trilogy and like never got a sense of closure on it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like maybe in some ways he's like the forgotten Spider-Man. I feel like he'd be less likely to say yes. Okay. I, I mean, I, I'm coming from the perspective of um, uh, a bunch of my friends are working on the friends 25th anniversary stuff right now. Oh yeah. Uh, and I was talking to my friend who's editing a bunch of the clips and he's like, yeah, we didn't get any of the talent because every single one of them said no. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, and I get it because for, for them, it's 
they've been answering the same questions for 25 years. Yeah, when are you guys going to do a reunion? What was it like to be on Friends for so long? Were you yeah. guys actually friends? Like, tell us something that, like, was super funny about set that no one else knows. Like, you guys have seen everything. Yeah. We talked about every minute on set at this point. Yeah. It's a set. Yeah, I think some people just want to get a eventually step away, understandably so, from this stuff, like, mm-hmm. when it's a big part of your life. But I don't know. I, I would love to see some some Spider-Man crossovering happening in the future. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I think... They would be more willing if they were voices. I yeah. bet they could get away with it. It's like if they appeared in that multiverse and not in our multiverse. So if they appeared in the animated version, not the live oh, action okay. version. I think that they'd be more willing to do that. That might be true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a little, plus, you know, not the voice acting is easier, but. Well, they also don't have to like get in shape again. Yeah, you know, they, like not mean that they would necessarily have to. Like, you know, Andrew Garfield still takes good care of himself, and you, you know, I think Tobey Maguire is still like pretty lean. And mm-hmm. again, you know, it's like he's an older Spider-Man. I started. I watched Gatsby again recently. Why? Just the first half. Why? Because the first half is great. Is it? Yes. Is it? It is. Look, it's gorgeous. That movie is uh, so pretty. I guess. Go rewatch uh, watch it I, no, up until no, I refuse. Up up until I Gatsby hated, meets, I hated that movie. Like, finally meets. Um, Daisy Daisy No Once they meet That's when it just starts sinking I, I can't But before look. that It's like the beautiful You know Turn of the century New York Everything is colorful And bright And wealthy I No I cannot do it I, Look I really like Tobey Maguire I think he was very miscast In that movie mm-hmm. In an otherwise Very well cast movie Yeah um, yeah, because Leo is amazing Leo, Leo is a everyone, great Everyone's Gatsby. super good he, yeah. He's amazing Michelle Williams is great Oh, no, wait, no, that's Carrie Mulligan. It's mm-hmm. Carrie Mulligan. Um, obviously, it introduced us to Elizabeth Debicki, who's a fucking phenomenal actress, and I adore her. Who's, um, uh, who's the, the husband? Uh, it's Joel Edgerton. Yeah, he's great. He's also, yeah, like, he, like everyone's doing a really he's good job. He's so good. I just, I think, I think Tom McGuire just was a little bit miscast, um, uh, unfortunately. And I, it's just that movie, it's, it's just so bright and so, so shallow. Yeah, that's why you stop watching once it gets no. to the romance stuff. I don't, I don't even need to bother with that. It's worth it. It's a no, great 30 I, minutes. No. Great soundtrack. Look, I, I have accumulatively about five hours a week <laughs> that's, to watch you're TV. Right. You're right. I am not going to waste that much of it <laughs> on the Gatsby movie. I refuse. Understandable. Um, okay, so, but uh, another piece of news. Did you watch, I'm assuming you did, the Birds of Prey trailer? I did watch the Birds of Prey trailer. Did it play for you in front of Joker? It did not. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. It did it for me, at least. I had this one trailer. Uh, it's it's uh, Ed Norton's new movie where he's direct. He, I think, wrote and directed oh, it where and stars he, in it. He is. He. Does he have Asperger's? Uh, no, he's Tourette's. Tourette's. Thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you. Yeah. Because uh, it's him. It, when I saw the trailer, the way they introduced the characters, uh, it's like all the people that. It's all the actors that people hate working with in Hollywood. Wait, uh, so it's, do you remember who all is? Oh, okay. uh, it's, it's him and Bruce Willis. Oh, that's right. Uh, and then it's, oh, God, who's the other person? There were like three people in a row that's like, oh, it's just everyone It's everyone that no one likes to, to be on set with. Interesting. Oh, in- interesting. Uh, like, I mean, I, I like a lot of Ed Norton's movies. I remember I watched the trailer for it, and it just it didn't really jump out at me is something like I had to go motherless Brooklyn motherless Brooklyn yeah I just didn't like I don't really care oh Alec Baldwin Bruce Willis Ed Norton Alec Baldwin uh Will Defoe. oh but people yeah like, I mean everyone loves Defoe. Everyone yeah everyone loves Willem Defoe. Mm-hmm. but I mean the first three they introduce her are Baldwin Norton and Willis 
Yeah. And I'm like, oh, interesting. Did they even talk once they said cut? Maybe they all got along super well. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you imagine that, like, these guys probably did it because they know Ed Norton. I mean, because I know it's, yeah. his, it's directorial debut, mm-hmm. and you know, I feel like a lot of times when an actor does their first movie, they'll like kind of call in favors and people will come in and out. But, like, yeah. I remember when I watched that trailer, I was surprised by how warm Bruce Willis's performance seemed. Like, he seems like he's playing a character that's meant to be, like, a warm, positive influence. That's why they kill him so fast. Because I, I Bruce, Bruce couldn't act for much longer but with that. I remember I watched that chart. I'm like, oh, like, I'm liking what I'm seeing coming out of Bruce Willis here. Like, like oh, and then he's dead. Okay. Yeah. Cause, like, I mean, especially you go back to, like, his early stuff. Like, the man was super, super charming. I think at yeah. this point he's just a little bit like, fuck it, why? And I, again, I don't really blame him for that mm-hmm. um but i was like oh okay he looks like he's kind of warm just the rest of the movie didn't really seem interesting yeah. to me but that's an odd choice to come up to come along with joker. yeah I, I had weird trailers in front of joker okay i pretty much had all the stuff you'd expect but i mean wh- what did you think of the birds of prey trailer it's let's call it what it is the harley trailer yes uh i was a little upset because i wanted to i wanted them to introduce the other characters like yeah. i wanted them to say their names because we know who montoya is and we know the hyena, and we know... That is a good point, actually. The only named character that talked in the entire trailer was Harley. Like, yeah. we get some lines from Ewan McGregor and lines from Cassandra Kane. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right, no one else is even named. Yeah, I and I feel like that. that's... For the general audience, I feel like that's a disservice. Because now so many people are like, well, I don't know anyone else in this movie. Yeah. Um, I, I've... It looked... Fun. Mm-hmm. I do like that the hyenas there. I love the hyenas there. It looks like kind of bright and weird. I think I'm not loving like the visual palette a lot. And I feel like part of that is because they are still having to deal with the fallout from the Suicide Squad aesthetic. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, you can't go too far from it because their version of Harley is so of that movie that everything around her has to be kind of like weird and like both like grungy but also like psychedelic yeah it, it has to it has to embody hot topic as much as possible oh god you're right it's the most hot topic movie it's the most hot topic movie ever made mm-hmm. except i don't know joker's gonna be pretty close contender of the most hot topic movie uh i just i disagree actually. okay i think the joke right. well, well we're gonna get we're gonna we'll, get, we'll get, we're get to it we'll, 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 get, we'll save it we'll get to it um yeah really gonna make you guys wait an extra week to hear our <laughs> thoughts on joker oh boy uh yeah, I'm not. I'm not loving the the palette visually. It's got kind of a weird tone, a little bit. I feel like if they were to make this movie without having to have any sort of reference to what happened in the Suicide Squad or that visual aesthetic or that tone, mm-hmm. it would be stronger for it. But I feel like anything now that is still revolving around that particular tone and aesthetic set by Zack Snyder and David Ayer is worse off for it. Mm-hmm. Here, here's how I would have done the marketing for this to make it a little more interesting. Because everyone already knows Harley and her, her kind of character. Mm-hmm. Instead of making it a two-minute trailer about just her, kind of make it a little fourth Wally, uh, where you have... So it's like after Wally 2 and Wally 3 they did yeah the fourth yeah. wally movie mm-hmm. which really it, they brought the franchise back like it's it's to, amazing it's amazing that we're still littering after four wally movies i know they still haven't figured it out yet yeah eventually we'll get there they've I think, ruined three earths at this yeah. point <laughs> eventually we'll get to like wally five last blood and he's just killed everybody and yeah. it's paradise again mm-hmm. 
I mean, a Wally Rambo crossover would be great. I'd watch it. Mm-hmm. I did. I had a. I, I misspoke when talking to my friend the other day, and I said, um, uh, "Anastasia," and it made me imagine a crossover between Anastasia and Hannah Montana. <laughs> oh, my, oh my god. She's a normal teen by day, but by night she's, she's a, a she's a Russian princess. she's a Russian princess with amnesia. It's just Anna Montana getting pursued by Rasputin. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've I've never watched Anna Montana. I'd watch that. Yeah. Uh, no, so I, uh, instead of making it two minutes on just Harley, <clears throat> do like forty second trailers from each character's perspective uh, okay and so yeah. they're all dealing with kind of the same event mm-hmm. um and so you have 40 seconds of harley talking about what's going on and almost do it i think it'd be interesting if you did it like an interrogation oh um, okay yeah so then you don't use any dialogue from the movie uh it's just harley being like i don't know what why everyone's looking at me about this i didn't do anything and then you yeah. show the clips like her getting the hyena her beating up people and then you can do one for montoya you can do one for Cassidy Kane mm-hmm. or Cassandra Kane, sorry, Cassandra, uh, and then one for Black Mask. Yeah. Uh, and then for the very last trailer, you have them all in it together, mm-hmm. where it almost feels like they're all in their own, because like, they they all think their own they're in their own movie, like in their mind yeah, they're all the main characters. Fun. Yeah. Yeah, because I think, I mean, I don't I don't feel like Harley is traditionally a fourth wall breaking character. No, but I mean, you but, wouldn't incorporate it into the film, right? In any way. But I, but there is this sort of like slightly meta esque element to her, that, like that could be really fun of like her narrating, like the clips from the movie, like her, like even you know, even her introducing all those characters from her point of view. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think they could have been mm-hmm. a little more ambitious. You got this guy who's a loser, but he's kind of cute. Yeah, you're right. I think that would have been a bit more interesting. I mean. I'm not entirely surprised that it's a little more traditional so far in terms mm-hmm. of its marketing. Yeah. Well, yeah, especially after Suicide Squad, where yeah. the marketing did a full 180. Oh not even, they did a full 540. Yeah. I know, I didn't play a lot of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, so I forget these things. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, I mean, that movie was well sold. Oh man, we and felt for it so hard. I, I remember even saying, like, David Ayer's like a prestige filmmaker. <laughs> He's gonna have a different toy. It's gonna be really good. Played in perspective, and then we're watching, I'm like, what is this? Yeah. What? Like, is that the worst one? No, Justice League. Yeah. Justice League's definitely the worst one. Mm-hmm. He's like, Justice League at no point is redeeming. Well, I just remember walking out of Suicide Squad and feeling like still feeling okay about it. And like every step I took away from the theater, I could just feel my satisfaction dropping. Mm-hmm. It's like when I made it to my car, I'm like, wow, I hated that. Yeah. I remember you and I came out of it together. We're just like, why? Yeah. And what? I was, and yeah, when we walked out, I'm like, that wasn't that bad. <laughs> it's like every word is like, Oh no, no. no. And it's like, Oh wait, but then there was this. No. Yeah. And then no. anything involving the Joker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll get to Joker next week. Get to Joker next week. <laughs> All right. This podcast uh, is just a giant teaser. It's just a, it's just for just, the Joker. Just setting it up. Uh, one thing for me, I just want to acknowledge they released the first trailer or not trailer poster for Bond 25, AKA no time to die. Looks great. Mm-hmm. Bond looking grizzled and a fantastic tuxedo in front of this really bright, beautiful blue door. Text looks amazing. I'm all here for it. Cannot wait. Did you see the, uh, cause I forgot I have one piece of news. Oh, not even news. Just, a, just like a bit video. Uh, it was Taika Waititi and Ryan Reynolds acting like it was the first time they met each other. I haven't watched it yet. It's so great. I should because they're in another they're in another upcoming movie together. Yeah, I think he directed it, right? Uh, Taika, not 
Detec- no, I guess no, no, he did. I, no, I guess they're just in it together. Yeah, that's right, because mm-hmm. uh, Jojo Rabbit, obviously, is his. Yeah. Um, no, so it's the two of them and then the two other leads of the movie. Uh, and Ryan and Tiger are like, wow, I mean, it's amazing to finally meet you for the first time ever in our lives, in our career, meeting first time. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, yeah, backstage, I mean, I've been talking, like, I wanted to meet this guy for years, which has never, never happened. We've never met before. <laughs> uh, and then the other two are like, no, you guys were in uh, Green Lantern together. He's like, I don't remember a Green Lantern movie. I don't know. Are you talking about the Green Hornet movie? Well, I'm not Seth Rogen. Do you think <laughs> I'm Seth Rogen? They're, they're very, oh, the two of them just, they're so charming. Exude uh, chemistry. They're so damn charming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know. I, I need to go watch that little little bit. Yeah. Uh, okay. And the last thing I have here, uh, the King's Man trailer. Yes. So the third film in the King's Men franchise. This one being, of course, a World War One set prequel with the great Ray Fiennes uh, in there. What's he find? We're not doing that. You cut it out last week. I did. I cut it out. Like, I'm cutting it out again. I'm cutting it out again this week because I'm fucking determined to make that sketch. I'm determined to make that sketch happen at some point. So, uh, but I yeah. listened to last week's episode. I'm, I'm amazed you did. Now we have to cut all this out too. No one will ever know you actually listened back to one of the episodes. Um, yeah, I mean, it's got uh, it's, we've got Ray Fines in it. I I love. Yeah, he's a great guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I, look, Cameron had this long-running bit about Ray Fiennes that I'm not going to get into on the podcast. Yeah, but we, we have got. Let's say this: we have gotten into it multiple times, and I just found out he's been cutting it out every time, <laughs> with good reason. And sure, <laughs> with, sure, with good reason. Something so we'll, there, there is a hidden joke in this in this podcast <laughs> that about, I am determined to sneak Ray, in at some point. Look, I love him. Uh, this trailer looked really good. It does. Now, to be fair, I mean, first Kingsman, great film. Second one, I rewatched it again not too long ago. Not a great film. Looked right off the trailer. Mm-hmm. Matthew Vaughn, though, I'd say has more hits than misses. I'd agree with that. I feel like I would say that, what, Kingsman 2 is kind of his only miss, right? I mean, I remember Layer Cake being good. I've only seen it once. I didn't really love Stardust, but, you know, it's, it's pretty good for what it is. Stardust. It's, it's all right. That was the, like, 2005, six. Uh, like maybe 2000 around there seven oh, yeah. or so yeah you know what i mean yeah i know what you mean. <laughs> uh i mean it, it came out like in the as, around the same time as enchanted uh yeah i think so mm-hmm. kind of around that same time yeah i mean it's a it's a stacked cast it's i think i, I plugged it on the podcast not so long ago but it's um uh charlie cox from daredevil mm-hmm. and it has a young henry cavill in it it's got claire danes uh mark strong of course um Robert De Niro, Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, wow. Like it's it's a really good cast. I I wasn't super taken with the film itself, but like you can see the talent. Yeah, you see Matthew Vaughn's talent I, there. From what I remember, there was some other movie that was also kind of like this off magic world. Um, Ella Enchanted. Up, it, yeah, it might have been Ella Enchanted. Yeah, that I saw instead. That's fire. Mm-hmm. I've never seen Ella Enchanted. It's I know it's, I know it's Anne Hathaway. That's all I know. Mm-hmm. And I think I think it was like the book was read to me once when I was a kid. Like as part of a class mm-hmm. i don't know i vaguely recall it it's um, just the same story as wacko's wish right i think so yeah i don't know i don't even know what you just said Let you don't know just... wacko's wish oh wacko's wish yeah i didn't hear what you said i just said yes yeah wacko's wish it's a great it's the animaniacs movie yeah it's fantastic i actually haven't seen that to be honest it's great it's a great christmas movie okay i'll add my season. list of christmas movies this year yeah um 
but no, like I think the trailer looks pretty good, and I I am willing to give Matthew Vaughn the benefit of the doubt that maybe he he learned a few lessons on the last movie, which I think ultimately just suffered from being a bit too bloated. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully this is a little more pared down and a little bit of like a, a cleaner, simpler narrative. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm super excited about and it. And I, I think it's it's I don't know if it's easier for for people writing films when you don't have to like constantly think of new inventions. Whereas they can kind of just rework current inventions to make them work in the past. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's, yeah, probably easier for the writers. So he, he doesn't have to focus too much on that. Sorry. But you were, you were saying something. That was, that was, that was the, the end of my, my thought. <laughs> Tickety tap, tap, click, click, click. I'm a terrible listener. <laughs> it's fine. We, we just started our first podcast. <laughs> It's fun. I'll, I can edit it. Yeah. The way it's fucked is more work for me. You can make it. You can make yourself the hero always. I do. Mm-hmm. I absolutely do every single episode. Uh, is that it for news? Yeah, I think that's it for news. Why don't we, uh, we get some Zeta here? Uh, great. Um, yeah, so uh, first episode this week is On the Wire. Uh, I love this episode starts out with them going into Comic-Con. I am so angry. It's the same complaint I had last time. They have this amazing setup. Yeah. Have the entire episode be a Comic-Con. Yeah. Have Zeta win the costume contest. God damn it. It's so easy. That's going to be the high stakes scenario of the whole episode is whether Zeta is going to win the costume contest. No, he's going to win it accidentally. <laughs> he's going to transform back scene behind, you know, backstage yeah. to get away. And then he's like, they're going to think that he is part of the contest. They're going to push him on stage. He's going to win. Yeah. And that's how they're going to catch him is he's going to be in, this, in the spotlight. Right. It's like, oh, my God, it's a synthoid. Ah, everyone run. Mm-hmm. Or, or they have it where he's not, he's, they shoot him with, uh, who's the new agent? I forgot her name. Rush. Agent Rush. She hits him with the, the device that stops his cloaking. Yeah. And so he, as the robot, wins the costume contest. Oh, that would have been good. That's, that's the story. That actually would have been good of like him hiding out amongst a bunch of robots. Yeah. Cosplay robots. See, like, you know, you're absolutely right. Like, cause the, the broader point of the episode is that Roe finally meets up with her, her long lost yeah, but that's not brother. Important. Let's talk about the Comic-Con stuff. Like, there actually is a lot to talk about the Comic-Con stuff because, like, it starts out with them and, like, a whatever, a pretty generic, like, speeder chase, but they end up in Comic-Con and you're like, oh, like, we're going to see this version's future, like, Comic-Con. And at one point, they do go in disguise as the lead actor and actress from I wrote it down. It's Dark Owl and Squirrel Girl. And Squirrel Girl, yeah. And you're like, oh, well, they went in disguise and then they they get attacked by the NSA. So I was expecting all the nerds to like get mad and like attack the agents or some people. To yeah. Think that's it, what I was thinking. Yeah. Or like, or maybe some people all of a sudden thought it was going to be like this weird, like performance element that was like happening in the middle of the con or like, yeah, they, they try to hide amongst robots or in a comic, like a costume contest. Like there really was all this really interesting potential. Yeah. They West set up. could have accidentally tackled the real actor. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like they really kind of put themselves in what could have been a really interesting space and they're out of it almost instantaneously. Yeah. They, I think they wanted to just make fun of, cause that was, I mean, this was what, 2002. Yeah. So the culture was just starting to, to boom. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this is, this is still early. A, yeah. This is still a good, like s- seven, eight, nine years before like it became impossible to go to comic-con yeah yeah so g4 first started recording from comic-con in 2006 okay yeah so this is four years before it's kind of getting accessible to the public exactly getting anything kind of mainstream yeah but also my question is why do the writers of these shows hate themselves slash their own fans 
I think they're just so easy to make fun of. I guess, but I mean, like, there's such soft targets. And look, I mean, I guess we're also at a point now where, like, nerds kind of rule the world in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And so, like, the cliches of, like, oh, like, the nerds are just, like, overweight with glasses and bad hair and total dorks doesn't apply because they're, like, sexy nerds now at this point. Like, everyone just, like, can embrace whatever thing they love and be totally accepted about it. But every time... They're all just Cole Sprouse's now. Yeah, oh, my God. They're all just, like... delightfully dreamy dark broody cole sprouses um but every time we've had a nerdy character paired anywhere in the dcau they're portrayed like this yeah you know i I always think about the i think you know who i think just hates nerds i think it's just bruce tim i think bruce tim does i think everyone i think the artist will make like a normal looking person and they'll have them at the con and bruce is like no that's not who annoy me i want i want to i want to see the people that i hate yeah he's well, I draw these weirdly sexy women behind scenes. Yeah, I, I mean, like, did I, we ever talk about that on air? Oh, the his no his erotica book. His erotica book. Bruce no, Tim he, has an erotica book. He does. That you can still buy on Amazon. <laughs> he does. Yeah, yeah. It that was such a, a revelation for me to find because you you sent that to me and I looked at it and it was really I I didn't know how to feel about it. It's weird. Well, I mean, just the idea in, in general is kind of weird, but it also like. It's so fitting for yeah. what he's doing now to all the all the DC movies. I I was more thinking like for me it was just probably a weird thing because like when like it reminded me of a time when I still would have been like titillated by that. Yeah. <laughs> Both the cartoon element and also the fact that it's mostly women, pretty much all women that he's drawing. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it's basically he he just draws like uh pinup girls in his in like the, yeah. in the Batman in the Beatles style. Yeah, like it brought me back to a time in my life when I would have been, yeah, excited by yeah, like like animated uh, like animated women. For it, yeah, yeah, like so that was just this weird like bizarre nostalgic mm-hmm. moment for me. I'll, I'll link it in the in the show notes. You guys can go check it out. I mean, look, he's a great artist. Yeah, and he knows how to draw women so they are very very sexy. Um, but it's so weird. Yeah. It yeah. Is, <laughs> I don't even remember, like, someone told me about it before I looked it up. I, w- I was talking to someone about about our podcast. Yeah. And, like, oh, have you found his erotica book before? I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, what? What do you yeah. mean? It's interesting. It, it's it's a little bit bizarre, yeah. Um, okay, but, so uh, they, leave, yeah, they leave Comic-Con. They, they, yes, but they, they spend no, no, nowhere near enough time at Comic-Con. Probably the other thing I thought was super interesting is, so they walk into a building, and then we cut to a clip of a movie, a show, something with these characters of Dark Owl and Squirrel Girl. We then come to realize that actually what it is is a visual comic. So in this future, these comic book stories are being told in a weekly serialized version, almost like comic books, but they're actually produced movies, like produced entertainment. And that actually is a really interesting idea. And I think weirdly prescient now i could see that eventually kind of happening well do you remember i i don't think they do it anymore but when it's probably about 10 years ago now when uh comics would team up with itunes and they would do their like digital moving comics and the motion comics yeah. yeah i don't think those exist anymore i, I think maybe, i hated them yeah i i would i think i checked out one or two of them and it just felt a little bit weird. Yeah, a little bit I, I remember. I remember them because at Comic Con, it was like everyone wanted to do it at the same time. So every booth was giving out their free 
uh, motion comic. Yeah. And I, I remember I had the first issue of Watchmen as one. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, that would be a particularly weird one, I think. Yeah. But, you know, we are getting towards more bite-sized entertainment, right? Mm-hmm. The length of stuff is getting shorter and shorter. We're getting, you know, like Quibi is a brand new platform specifically designed around that idea. Do you think this might end up being something in the future where, you know, say like DC Comics, they now have like their iPad app and they realize that, oh, well, you know, maybe like a future iteration of DC Universe is that their superhero shows are now not 45 minute long shows or even like 30 minutes, but they're done in like, 10 minute bite-sized chunks that are released on a weekly basis, like on a platform was like a comic. Potentially. I think that could be, I, I just don't think, I mean, for me as a viewer, it's hard to fully engross myself in a story. If it's cut down to like five to 10 minute snap, like snippets. Yeah. Um, but well, I mean, I, I think they could definitely do it just like with the cartoons. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're, we're already kind of there a little bit. You look at Brave and the Bold. I was watching a couple episodes yeah, yeah, this was, morning. Was, was it's like, you know, like that Bold, always yeah. has the cold open, which is completely unrelated to the rest of the episode. But even now I've seen little bits of Just League action, which I think is done in like, I think every episode is maybe two or three shorter kind of in media res jump in quick action thing. So like mm-hmm. already a single episode of that is a few of those strung together. Yeah. The, the seven minute. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, but I'm, I would be curious to see if that eventually, like, it, are we going to get back to the point? Maybe do you think where we're getting short serialized content the way we used to with like the early movie serials, like the early Superman cartoons, mm-hmm. even? Like, do you think we might go, come full circle to some degree and get back to that? It, point? it depends on um, how fast a writing staff can work. So, in in anime, how they do it is they're uh, they have a few weekly shows that go on every week mm-hmm. forever. One of them being, you know, cause you had, you, uh, most shonen shows have this. There's not really seasons. They, they just follow along with the manga. Yeah. So one piece, for example, uh, will usually take two weeks off a year. So 50 weeks of the year, they're giving out new 20 minute episodes My every God. week. Yeah. Man. Those bless those animators. That, I mean, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. And it's all hand drawn still, right? Yeah. But, the way they the reason they can do that is they base it off the manga, which is usually about fifty to sixty chapters ahead. So oh, they're, okay. what they're animating is basically the the panels from the manga are their storyboard yeah. and kind of their keyframe. So they just have to hit those pieces and then it's kind of fill in the blanks. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can tell when they have less to work with because it's like it's the joke from Dragon Ball Z where it's a guy just charging up for twenty minutes. Yeah. Um, so like, it's definitely possible to do like an indefinite serialized show yeah. like that. You just need the, you just need to, the preparation. Yeah. I mean, look, we talked about this a little bit with Hush and also in terms of, uh, the long Halloween, but it's like, you know, instead of doing a, a what, a 80 minute long adaptation of, um, Hush, imagine if they had actually more or less done like, 13 12 minute long episodes mm-hmm. um like so, week, so week. just make an episode per each comic yeah like basically like like you know for those like for the i think for a a perfectly structured comic story and i would look at the long hand we look at hush as one of those where the idea of it being told in snippets over 13 parts um in that very serialized manner really 
plays into the story given that it's a mystery and we're learning so much as we go along and cliffhangers factor a lot into that and Mm -hmm. reveals and red herring stuff like that imagine that being just like directly translated and look and i i don't think that things need to be directly translated i think that adaptation is actually a critical part of the process and change is a critical part of that Mm -hmm. but i was like so you're a big fan of the joker then love it absolutely love it to death um yeah uh, <laughs> next week, guys. Next for us, a mere like hour away for you guys. Next week, um, but I mean, look, I would be curious to see what that version of Hush would have looked like. I would be curious to see what that version of Long Halloween would look like. So I, I don't know. I'd be kind of cool to see for, that. for looking from the studio perspective. I'm just curious, like when they're showing the numbers to the shareholders, is it more impressive to see? Uh, you know, a movie got this many... I mean, if, if we're still basing it off the DC Universe yeah. analytics, um, is it more interesting... Is it more potent? Is that word? Potent? Yes. The not real word, potent? Yes. Is potent? Sure. Potent for shareholders. Portentous? Pro- no. Portentous? More important for uh, shareholders to see a big number for a movie of, like, we had this many viewers opening weekend... Or is it better for them to see, like, we had this many viewers for the first episode of this mini-series, this mini, you know, 20-minute series that that will eventually fall off? I, I think they still want to see box office numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, again, we keep talking about Joker, but not talking about Joker. I mean, like, every Hollywood Reporter article, the, like, email blast that I got this weekend was talking about the box office results and that, like, the crazy box office results on it. And yeah. I think that is still, no matter how you cut it, that is still going to be the metric by which entertainment success is going to be measured for a while. Well, I mean, but but that's that's why I use DC Universe as the example. There's no real box office connected to no. streaming. Well, it's just the engagement. Yeah. Well, that becomes a whole separate thing of you know when everything is being broadcast on these these OTT platforms that are owned and operated by the studio that's making the content, they don't have to release the numbers. You know, it's like infamously Netflix, we only on their really, really major hit movies and shows will they put out numbers. And even then, like they're not direct comparison. It's just like the number of viewers or something like that. Or like yeah. The number of times something's watched, but, but then you get into the definition of like, what is a watch? Well, yeah, that on that, YouTube, yeah. it's, it's 20 seconds is considered a view on Facebook. Five seconds is considered a view. Yeah. It's, that's a whole separate thing. And so that's why when you're on Facebook and you see a video has 2 million views, that means 2 million people watched at least five seconds yeah. of it. Well, I mean, and you do social media marketing. I used to do social media marketing and that became a big thing when, you know, I was helping edit pieces that are going up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And it mm-hmm. became a big question of like, what, how do we get viewers in early? How do we keep them? What's our attention looking like? Yeah. Retention looking like. Yeah. And that, that's why trailers started to do that, that five second little blip. Yeah. The, 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 the the burst, the burst trailer. Yeah, so you know what trailer you're watching, and you decide whether you actually want to keep watching it or not. And for the analytics, those are always five second bursts. So it gets, so it's, yeah, so it's it an count, immediate it counts view. As a view. Yeah, so I mean, mm-hmm. the thing is, is I mean, ultimately what we're talking about is that the numbers aren't necessarily going to be put out there for a lot of this stuff. So I, I think how a company defines success internally is going to be one thing. How they broadcast their own definition of success and share that externally is a whole other thing. So I don't know. It, it's it's very unclear where things are going to go. Yeah. You know what's also unclear on where it's going to go? This episode? Yes. <laughs> this episode of this podcast? Both. This episode of Zeta that we're supposed to be talking about in this podcast? Yes. All of the above. 
yeah. What, so Ro meets her brother. Well, yeah. Once they leave, <laughs> uh, once they leave Comic Con, uh, Bucky comes back and tells him, "Hey, uh, I have a surprise for you. I've found your brother. Here's a video chat you can have with him." Turns out the brother Casey works for a news agency doing uh, text news. That's the yeah. whole, that's the whole thing is that he still like writes up the the classifieds and the the last bits of news that are still written. But he's also a reporter because he he at the very end of the episode he wrote the article about Zeta. Uh yeah, well cuz it's text. Mm-hmm. So it's like he it's like the the lesser news stuff because it's not vid news. Yeah. But his boss is like the big vid news guy and it's like, "Oh my god, your long lost sister is part of this is a fugitive. wanted fugitive duo." With a Synthwave robot, you should go meet up with him, and then we'll make a story out of it. And you're an irresponsible journalist if you don't take advantage of your long-lost family member for your own personal gain. Exactly. But, I mean, in Hollywood, that makes a lot of <laughs> it sense. It actually does so. make a lot of sense. Yeah, always exploit. It's like, wait, what do you mean you didn't write a screenplay about this? What yeah, are you doing? Why, why, why even bother? Why live if you're not going to write about it? Exactly. Or <laughs> podcast about it. <laughs> Mostly podcast about it, clearly. Um, but yeah, so they go and meet up and they have like a really nice time and Casey's got stories of like their grandparents and her I, nickname was little bulldozer, little Bodo, bulldozer because she just bulldozes her way through things. I, I love too when she's asking questions about their life together. It's like, yeah, for whatever reason, I don't know why mom like left us our grandparents. Like, well, what happened to our grandparents? Like, oh, well they were old. Oh yeah. Okay. Totally. They're dead. They can't say they mm-hmm. just died. <laughs> they went to a farm up north. Yeah, they went went to the grandparents' farm. Yeah, They're playing with our dog mm-hmm. too. You mean the retirement facility? No, no, not quite. No, just just the farm. Yeah, uh, I did like this episode was set in San Francisco. Although I don't think they called it San Francisco, right? Didn't they call it something else? Was I, it Bay I, City or something like that? I think so. Yeah, I think Bay City. Yeah, but we had, so we had some trolley cars. We got a nice trolley car chase, a runaway trolley as yeah. must get thrown in there. You know. Pulling from the rock a little bit on that one. Uh, yeah, we had West in all of his glory. Where? Uh, oh my God! Yeah. The, so it's West and Rush. See them get on a trolley. So they fall. Oh, so the the producer, uh, the the kind of vid news producer, calls up Bennett and the NSA to help them catch Zeta, so they have a better story to write. Yes. So while Casey and Rover at lunch, the NSA is kind of surrounding them. Yes. Uh, so they get on the the hover trolley. West's job is to stop the trolley. And so... And Rush even says, what? Don't you know how to do that? Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for a second, I'm like, oh, he's just going to play dumb and he's not going to hurt the robot. No. No. It takes him three seconds to just dismantle the robot. Continuing, we need an episode for robot rights. Oh, yeah. Robots are very, very abused. Yes. Oh, I was trying to look up the name of the city. Um, I, I can't find it in the episode description. It doesn't really matter. But, yeah, like, he basically accidentally causes the train car to go crazy, which then means Zeta has to stop it. And then... I enjoy that he drops him in a, a street fish cart stand. Oh, of course. Yeah. Um, and then... Oh, and so then eventually... Uh, Agent Bennett basically tells Casey, like, hey, if you help us bring in Roe and Zeta, I will drop all charges against your sister and you guys can be back together. Yeah, yeah, because Casey is worried about Roe and her working with a fugitive. Yeah, and so they decide they're going to have a meetup on top of an observation deck at the top of the Golden Gate Bridge. 
Um, I think that it does not exist for good reason. Yet. Still for good reason. They get up there and then they're immediately surrounded by NSA and uh, a news, news chopper. Hover cars yeah that have the sound of a chopper still yes i very much appreciated that i love that we knew it was flying i love that ridiculous detail of like still having just the classic helicopter sound of a thing with no propellers on it mm-hmm. whatsoever um and then there's like i mean i thought a, a decent ish set piece of them like running around along the the cables on top of the golden gate bridge um it was very a view to a kill which I, I, I didn't enjoyed. i didn't like the the pacifist way they handled this of of Casey just getting in the way of the missiles. Oh yes. Yeah, like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to like fly in front of your hover car. Yeah, Whoops. I, I I didn't. That was boring to me. It also just it, it just felt a little bit clunky because mm-hmm. we know he was trying to help his sister, and then as soon as they get up there, he's just like a total asshole to everyone. You're like, oh, is he like legitimately just doing this for his own glory? And then eventually we come to realize like, oh no, he's like deliberately messing with them. But it just, it, it, the, the fake out felt weird to me. I think we, we needed in their earlier conversation, we needed like a little story about how they trusted each other. And when they were kids, they had this, like this like safe word they would use where like, you know, like the, like, you know, pinky swear, yeah. no backsies kind of. Like, yeah. Like the, like the handshake from the parent trap. Yes, they they needed some kind of verbal cue to know like, hey, I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing it for the greater good. Yeah. So then that can come back in this moment, because in this at this moment it's like, hey, Ro, come with me. Uh, just trust me. Yeah. Like, hey, just trust me. Go ahead and get into the 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 hell of hover thing. Yeah. And then or even a moment between Casey and Zeta. Yeah. We're like, hey, I know you're dangerous, but you seem to be taking good care of Ro. And Rose seems really like traveling with you. I would never do anything to break that up. Yeah. And so have something from that conversation come back to where Roe doesn't even know that. But Zeta, you know, Casey says something in the hovercraft and and he kind of signals to Zeta and Zeta kind of pushes Roe towards them. Yeah. Of like, I'll be okay. Everything's going to be okay. Yeah. It, just, it, needed, it, it needed a more effectively laid out dynamic mm-hmm. to come into play there. Cause as it was, it was just kind of like, yeah. 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 And then like they, they get away and by sneaking onto like a police boat and driving off into the fog or whatever. And then Bennett's like, Hey Casey, whatever your name is, I'm going to have my eye on you. But then he clearly doesn't because Casey just like really lazily and obviously embeds a video that anyone can click on. Yeah, exactly. Anyone can click on it into like the text news. Yeah. So, so think you are a, you're, when you're watching this, we're a child. We, we would be children. Uh, and you would see, you potentially see an ad in the newspaper for a tiny bulldozer. Yes. I would immediately click on that. I know, but oh my God, I want a bulldozer. I want a bulldozer. Exactly. Yeah. Anyone I feel like there's a lot of children. Probably even Bucky. Yeah. They probably don't listen to or read the tech news, I guess. The text news. That's true. But still, I mean, it's not like it's actually like a sneaky place to hide things. And Casey says, we can stay in touch by, you know, embed, like hiding messages to each other in this thing that no one ever bothers to read. It's like, well, the NSA is going to read it. Yeah. Because they know you guys are talking to each other. Exactly. But at the same time, the NSA is probably not going to read it because they're stupid. No, they're going to put West on it. That's and true. He's not good. He's going to come on everything yeah. else. Yeah, he's going to get distracted. Now it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Nothing's going to come out of it. But I mean, I, I liked that they finally brought in um, the brother 
into it. And I finally, think, finally, well, you know, I think we, we talk a lot about these episodes having some potential to execute on. And a lot of times it has to do with the set pieces or like a theme of the thing. What if we made it a two-parter? <laughs> oh my God, Cameron, we're not even going to entertain this notion. <laughs> but I liked that they finally brought in a little bit of that, um, having the brother come back in right as the show is very, very close to ending. Yes. Uh, only mere episodes. I think we have three more three episodes. Three more episodes, episodes. yeah. Yeah. But um, any more thoughts on this? Should we jump along to uh, to Cabin Pressure? Oh, I did not like that episode. Um, I think that's pretty much all my notes, yeah. All right. Are, are you, like, actively, actually, actively paying close attention to these when you're watching them? No. I'm, I'm really not either. Not I, anymore. I find myself now, like, brushing up on news while I'm supposed to be watching the episodes and, like, mm-hmm. totally missing a lot of what's actually going on. Well, well right now, I am immediately fell off the, the wagon, but there's a thing every October. Either, people call it two things, either ink, oh, Inktober yeah, yeah. or Drawloween. We have 31 days of drawing prompts, and a lot of my friends are doing it's it this not, year. It's uh, not 31 days of talking with a Southern drawl? I, I could do that if you want me to. I think you should. Well, well, brother, that's what you're going to get in this in this episode. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I immediately fell off the, the wagon after the first day. So while watching these episodes, I was trying to, to get my catch up on my drawings. Oh, okay. Yeah, I wasn't really paying close attention. Mm-hmm. I don't remember most of what happens in this episode. I took I took pretty good notes on this okay. one. Okay, I mean, I know that... What do, you, what do you tell us what happened, actually, Cameron? Well, now... Uh, <laughs> Southern Cameron. Southern Cameron. Uh, cabin pressure is uh, the NSA finally realizes that Bucky has been hacking into their mainframe. Dropped out of that so quickly. <laughs> I know. I, I I can't talk fast when I have my Southern draw on. I mean, you don't have to talk fast. Yeah, I just want to get this episode well, that's, over with. That's it for We really just want to get it through. Um, the NSA finally realizes after months that Bucky's been hacking into their system. Shocking. Uh, and so they go and basically arrest him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we learned that Bucky has put a safeguard system inside Zeta that if he's ever in danger, uh, a message would pop up through Zeta. Yes. Be like, hey, guys, uh, come save me. Help me, Zeta. Yeah, you're my only hope. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Is this a Star Wars episode? <laughs> yes, it is. Great. Uh, but it's a sequel to Solo. Great. Amazing. <laughs> or is it? No, it's a pre- It's a prequel. Bucky's a younger, a younger Han Solo. That's true, yeah. Mm-hmm. But he's not Han Solo. He's just Han. Yeah, you're right. Sorry. He's Han. I don't have a family. Yeah, yeah. he's Han. Kid genius. Han, no one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Zeta wants to rescue Bucky. Uh, they they're out hiking. Yeah, when we meet them, and like you guys are fugitives. You really ever stop to go hike? Right. You you have a very singular mission. Ro just finished her mission. She found her brother. She found her family. Yeah. Are you even still looking for the doctor for the uh, I don't think they are. for Selick? I don't think they are. Yeah. So yeah, but I don't think Selick is hiking. That's for sure. No. So then they have a moment where Zeta gets to do like a weird outdoorsy fashion show, mm-hmm. uh, and then they go and find Bucky on this like massive transport fortress. Yeah. And then there's a bunch of plane stuff that happens. Well, he, he turns into a repair guy. Okay, uh, yeah. Oh, so I, I had I had uh, a quick story to tell about that. Uh-huh. Um, there are two YouTube videos kind of about the same thing. And it's like how easily it is to sneak into places if you just look uh, like you're working. Mm-hmm. And so they have one one group of guys has a, a bit where they carry a ladder wherever they go and just see like how many places would stop them if they just carry a ladder in. Yeah. Uh, and the answer is none. No place stops you if you just carry, if you look like you're fixing something carrying a ladder in. 
It's a damn good point. Yeah, which is great, great life hack. Yeah. Uh, the other one is was two guys that would uh, that bought the the like the the reflective vests, mm-hmm. uh, and it's the same thing. You just walk right in. Now, did they try to wear both a reflective vest and carry a ladder? I ha- no, it was two separate groups. Oh, really? It's gonna be a collaboration, though. Yeah, a good old collabo. Uh, but they, they, the the two people in the vest got very ballsy because they tried to sneak into Disneyland like that. Ooh, and that's the only place that that shut them out. Yeah, because they got into the San Diego Zoo, uh, just wearing the vests. And I'm like, I'm like, damn, these guys are these guys are good. That is really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, where are you gonna try and sneak into now, Cameron, wearing a vest? Oh. I bet I could get into Universal. Maybe not Disney, but I bet I could do Universal. Well, they basically pay you to attend the park at this point. Yeah. As a patron. That's true. So. As someone that lives in a five-mile radius. Like, yeah. Why don't you come here? Yeah. Just pay the $20 <laughs> please, for parking. Please. Yeah. Uh, no, you should totally try and sneak into like a premiere with a ladder and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I'll just go to, go to El Cap. Yeah. I think you can make it happen. I think so. I believe in you. Uh, yeah, so they, they sneak onto the, the plane. Which is like a, a secret government ship, I guess. Yeah. I didn't really understand a lot of what Bucky was saying to Bennett. No, it has, like he was just like listening to all like, the cool like high-tech things that he had clocked on the way in and out of the thing. Mm-hmm. And they're basically just trying to get Bucky to turn on Zeta, and he's just being his petulant little self that he loves to be. Uh, one thing I did, there was a couple things I did like about this, though. Little little nods. Mm-hmm. I liked that they brought back the remote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. thought that was actually clever, and I thought they re- referenced it, and then they didn't bring it up for a long time. I thought maybe they wasn't going to go anywhere, and they actually find it, and they try to use it to control Zeta mm-hmm. for a hot second. I liked they brought that in. Uh, I also liked... Because yeah, it gave the episode a lot more urgency. Because like they obviously, they're not going to hurt Bucky. Uh, Bucky yeah. yeah, it adds some stakes. It makes the world feel a little bit more fleshed out and consistent. Because mm-hmm. um, I forgot about the remote. I totally did too. So I, I liked they did a you know a callback on it. The other thing I liked is uh, Roe makes a comment about Bucky when he gets captured. He's she says, "Oh, what did he do this time? Like shrink a city or transport evil aliens to Earth?" And I was like, "Hey." They actually reference the fact that aliens do exist in this universe. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was kind of an offhand, flippant comment. Uh, but at the same time, if aliens at one point existed and are not super present anymore, which they seem to be at this point in our future, it probably would just be like an offhand flip a comment. Like, yeah, aliens exist, but you never deal with them. So what does it matter? Right. Yeah. Do you, do you think something happened? And this is maybe a good question for our, our dear friend, Manny Washburn to investigate. Do you think at some point in the DCAU timeline, something happened to then, make it so aliens stopped coming to earth. Yes, I do. I think when Lex Luthor became president, he built a space wall. He built a sp- <laughs> he, he built keep our planet clean. He built the uh the massive bubble shield from space balls around yes. the earth. Yes, he did. The problem is he also set the combination to be 1 2 3 4 5. So mm-hmm. plenty of aliens are still getting in. Mm-hmm. No, the the combination is I hate Superman. <laughs> easiest password to figure mm-hmm. out yeah yeah because it i mean even with the even with batman beyond now admittedly when that show was written the world hadn't expanded out quite a bit yet but there's really not a lot of alien influence in there at at all if i recall right like even the justice league is comprised except for uh, barda it's all earth beings except barda 
Oh, oh, the new, the yes, new yes, sorry, oh, yeah, sorry, I mean, Warhawk is is half the Nagarian. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, because the Green Lantern is not. Is he human? Yeah. Okay. Because he grew up in Tibet. That's that, right. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're right, you're right. Yeah, well, that's part of a comic. I don't know if that's part of the, the continuity at the time. But, I, I mean, yeah, so I feel like it's I, clearly at some point in the history there, like, the Earth must have turned inward on of itself. Mm-hmm. Almost like at some point the world became more, like, suspicious of outsiders and people that are different than each other. That's, 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 too, that's too hard for me to imagine. No, that's, that's never going to happen. Too, that's too much science fiction. Yeah. <laughs> ridiculous yeah um but no they're in this massive i say massive ship and that they're trying to transport bucky on and they show up and they grab him i did like that one of the engineers was dressed like the thunderbirds the original the original uniforms from the thunderbirds from the 60s but that's kind of fun uh so rush finds the remote gives it to bennett bennett takes control of zeta uh and just so the viewers know that zeta is under control they make him walk like a zombie. Yep. In case you couldn't figure it out. And I'm like, that's and then, dumb. And uh, then West had gotten distracted by Bucky, who okay. told him he would tell him how to beat a video game. Yes. Which, to be fair, I would do the same thing. How old is West supposed to be, do you think? I don't know, but he looks... When, when he is standing next to Bucky, they are brothers. They are 100% yeah. brothers. Yeah, they're like three years apart. Yeah. You know what it is? Is uh, Bucky is the successful clone of west it's, it's like it's like the fly said no it's that situation where um they split the personality in two yeah and west got all the dumb genes uh but it was a government here's here's our here's our west theory okay it's a government experiment that west put himself in he was a great agent before okay uh and when he split he split into an older dumb self and a younger smart self uh, but since it was the government's fault, they couldn't fire him. So they have to keep him on the payroll. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> and, and that, that's why. That, and then Bucky uh, escapes. Well, no, the, Bucky escapes is just happenstance of keeping the dumb version on the payroll. <laughs> West accidentally let the smart version get away. Yeah. Well, cause the smart, the, the dumb version doesn't know. That's true. As plausible a theory as there could possibly be. Yes. But Wes gets distracted, and then Bucky, like, sabotages the ship, so all of a sudden it goes haywire, so Wes gets, like, trampled by a bunch of boxes. Mm-hmm. And then he goes chasing after Bucky, and as soon as he loses Bucky, he sees Zeta, zombie walking in the hallway, and then he shoots and causes a massive decompression to happen inside this ship. Mm-hmm. This flying fortress that is easily burst open by a very basic laser beam. Yes. Which, yeah, it makes sense. Of course it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, and then, like, Zeta gets sucked out, and then uh, Ro and Bucky, like, steal an escape pod. That whole ship reminded me a lot of the uh, the the flying wing from the first Captain America movie. Okay, I see that. Yeah. I, I saw it as closer to, like, a Star Destroyer. I mean, there's a little bit of that, too. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially when it's flying over the city. Yeah. Because you see how big it's, like, it it's, actually it's huge, is. Like, yeah. I also, mean, it's, it's a cruise ship. Also, I do love it. Because the, the explosive decompression happens, and Zeta gets sucked out along with the remote. Mm-hmm. And then Bennett calls the pilot to let him know what happened. The pilot's like, oh, yeah, hang on. Let me activate, like, the decompression force field. Shouldn't Why is that, that not always on? Yeah, shouldn't that thing just be automatic? Yes. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. And then wouldn't you immediately begin, like, emergency landing procedures? You, I mean, they were flying over the city. There was no place yet. 
Yeah, but then you like you veer off and go wherever you can. It's a big city. Yeah. You should have a big airport then. Yeah. It's so true. They can just come into your military base. I don't know. It all just felt a little bit silly. Yeah. Well, so it wasn't over once Roe and Zeta uh sorry, Ro and oh, Bucky got yeah. the, the escape, escape pod. pod because then Zeta attaches to it and the pilot accidentally hits them straight on with an uh, EMP. Oh, but you forgot about the part where Rush and Bennett put on mag boots and gloves oh, excuse to crawl me. You're along right. the fuselage of what is at least now a subsonic traveling ship to try and grab Zeta, who is clinging onto the side of it with his hook hands. Yes. His sharp fingies. Yes. And then he like sits on top of the ship and yeah, and then they get hit by the, the EMP. Yeah, so they're about to crash and somehow Zeta powers the ship back up, I guess. He's a robot, he can do it. Yeah, yeah. He can do it all. I they they made his power just vague enough. Yeah. That his R2 D2 hand. because uh, this is just a Star Wars episode. It basically is. Now I will give them some level of credit. That I felt like in these last two episodes, they were trying to incorporate kind of bigger action set pieces than they had in the past. Oh, it, it feels like they are wrapping up. Because the, these last two episodes have been much bigger. Like, they've been so close to getting caught now. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the NSA is like really, really on top of them. The whole scale just seems to have been elevated a little bit. Yeah. It's not necessarily well executed, but I can at least appreciate that they were trying to be a bit more ambitious in their finale set pieces rather than just having it be a tornado yeah for example <sighs> yeah yeah that was so bad it's pretty bad uh and so so they kind of wrapped up bucky's story because <laughs> bucky is now also wanted by the nsa he's now a, fug- a 13 year old fugitive yeah uh and so roe asked him like hey how what are you gonna do now how do we get in contact with you and he's like oh well i have an uncle who's part of the underground tech world. It's going to go chill with him. I'm just going to live with him. Uh, do you think they were ever considering doing a Bucky spinoff? Uh, Bucky 13 going on 30 to life? Sure. Yeah. That's <laughs> good. <laughs> I mean, that seems like a pretty severe punishment for some light hacking. Mm-hmm. But I mean, aiding, aiding, and abed- aiding and abetting a fugitive. A fugitive. Yeah. That, that's another, that's a pretty big one. It's nowhere near as bad, though, as aiding and abetting a fugitive. That is, aiding that and is, a, that fugitive, is a very fugitive. harsh punishment that comes yeah, with that crime. That, that's, that's death penalty, for sure. <laughs> Instant death penalty. No yeah. trial. Abedging a, a is, is a huge problem it's in America. It's a very serious thing. We, we don't even like to talk about it. It's such a huge problem. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you can definitely feel like they're steering towards a, a conclusion here, which is coming up pretty damn soon. I know. Essentially meaning we have two more episodes of Zeta. <sighs> almost there. We're very, very I'm close. Almost there. Here, I mean, in its own weird way, this has been kind of fun talking Zeta because we're just kind of like shitting on it the entire time. But the better thing to think about is that we're this close to static. We're then. so close to static. We're so close and I'm, to static. And I'm worried at this point that I've built it up so big. I think it's going to be good. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember a handful of the episodes. And the yeah. ones that I remember, I remember loving. Yeah. So I, I, like I, the I pilot, I think, is an amazing pilot. It's very topical. Uh, we start to, we meet some of the bang babies. Yeah. It's going to be good. I'm excited about it. We're we're closing in here. Almost done with Zeta. Um, any more thoughts on it or should we get into some notes from friends? Uh, let's get into some notes from friends. Okay. Uh, I don't really have much this week, but, uh, we did of course get a message from our, our lovely Ashley Clark who had just finished listening to our franchise episode 
a really random franchise episode that we did. This, honestly, this is the one I I think I was most excited to talk about was the franchise episode. Yeah, I we, we, I listened to it. I know, which is shocking. I was really genuinely shocked when you made a comment about the fact that you listened to it. How, yeah. did, how did it sound? How did you sound? I uh, I still hate my voice. Uh, you want to start editing? You'll, you'll get over that real quick. No. Um, it, don't worry. I still hate the sound of your voice too. It's good. Yeah, I know because you don't listen anymore. <laughs> You don't listen to me, Chris. <laughs> don't. Um, no, because I've like had I've I've brought this the question up to a lot of other people now. Uh and yeah, everyone basically says Sam Jackson is Yeah. Hmm. I but I I was just listening to the Weekly Planet when they were talking about Stallone, mm-hmm. like his his filmography. I still think though our our take on that was pretty good. I like, think so too. Yeah, I think that's a pretty fair compromise of like by the numbers, it's definitely Sam Jackson. But I Do you do you like cause for me after recording that, every every couple hours, I'll think of another actor. And I'm like, damn, that would have been a good person to talk about. Well, along those lines, uh, Ashley wrote in with some people that we missed. Okay. <laughs> uh, so she suggested Kate Blanchett, Jennifer Lawrence, and Meryl Streep. What franchise is Meryl Streep been in? So guess what I did. You looked at Meryl Streep? Or did I looked look up all three? all three of them. I Great. ran some numbers real quick. Okay, so for Meryl Streep... Uh, Let me see if you can get Meryl Streep. Mamma Mia. Yes, and... We have done an episode. Mary Poppins. Yes, those are the mm-hmm. two. Okay. As far as I can tell, those are the two. Um, I went through her filmography. I so. feel like Kate Blanchett would have a couple. So, yes. I mean, Kate Blanchett actually has a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, But Meryl Streep then had three movies between the two Mary... Or, excuse me, two Mamma Mia's and the Mary Poppins. Uh, do we count her in the second Mamma Mia? Yes. I didn't actually see it, but I know she's in it technically. She's not. There's she, a picture of her. I thought she actually appeared. No. Cher she's, appears. She's credited, though. Maybe doesn't her... she appear as like a like a ghost or something like that? Like a ghost, but uh, like <laughs> a, a force projection. A force projection. Come on, it's not a ghost because it's a force projection. Right, I thought she appeared in like a like a, some sort of like dream sequence or something like that, or like uh... it's it's like a it's a scene from the first movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it, it, they're doing like a like a flashback and flash forward thing. Okay. Well, to be fair, having not seen it, I can't qualify. Yeah. So do we? But sure, we'll, we'll give we'll give her three. Okay, we'll give her three. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence, of course, has. Two big franchises. X-Men and Hunger Games. Four from each. Yep. So, I mean, eight. That puts her pretty high. I mean, I think that puts her... The highest on the females? Let me double check this, actually, because I kept I kept our list. Um, that would put her... So, Scarlett Johansson we had on, as 11. Okay. So, she was the highest. And then Zoe Saldana was 11, and Sigourney Weaver was 9. So, I mean, mm-hmm. Jennifer, puts, Jennifer Lawrence gets right up there uh, amongst the, the big contenders. So, how many is in Kate? Is Kate, Kate Blanchett's obviously in the most recent Oceans. Okay. So, do you want to hear all of them? Sure. So, uh, two How to Train Your Dragon movies. That's right. That's right. She's the mama. Uh, one Oceans movie. Mm-hmm. One Thor movie. Right. One Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. Two... Elizabeth movies, two movies about Queen Elizabeth the first. Okay. Puts her at seven plus six Lord of the Rings movies. She is in all six. Dang. So that puts her at 13. That ties her with Zoe Saldana. I thought you said Zoe was at 11. Oh shit. You're right. Yeah. That puts her in the top. Uh, that yes. Oh yeah. Cause Scarlett Johansson was 11. Um, Scorning Weaver was nine. Zoe Saldana was also 11. So actually, yeah, that makes so her Kate the Blanchett. most... Kate Blanchett is the most franchised actress. Yeah. And that, that, we, that's that a we lot did of our research franchises, on. too. Yeah, it's a, it's a good spread. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, I, I love Kate Blanchett. Yeah, she's great. I really, really love her. So that was a that was a good call, Ashley. That mm-hmm. I, that, that miss in particular is a pretty egregious one because she yeah. has been in so many movies. Um, but yeah, that's basically all we uh, we really had from notes. From, anything major from notes from friends this okay. week? Nice. Um, what sort of plugs do you have, Cameron? Uh, well, I brought up the politician already. Yes. Uh, which is great on Netflix. Recommend it. It's ten episodes. 10 40 minute episodes. It's not so bad. Yeah. Uh, great stories. Very there's a very weird character in there. Um, his running mate, they're the kind of the understory is people questioning if she actually has cancer or not. Or if she's oh, faking it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very almost uncomfortable storyline. Oh, interesting. Uh, so I've been watching that, and there's a plug that I know you're not gonna watch, but it's super interesting. Okay. Uh, it's a show called Vinland Saga. Uh, oh my god it's called what vinland saga v-i-n-l-a-n-d saga okay thank you because i i had to now hunt this thing or whatever the fuck Mm -hmm. this thing is it's on amazon it is a japanese anime interpretation of the norse english war of the 11th century historically accurate that might be the single most niche it's so fascinating i've ever heard of yes wait so it's animated Yes, from Japan. Okay, so it's a it's a Japanese animation about say it again the 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 Norse English War of the 11th century. So th- so the war okay. over England between yes uh yeah Norway and and uh so the the Norse king and the English king yeah so the 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 Norse people and what the um Ang- Anglican yeah the Anglo's Anglo's thank mm-hmm. you that yeah that one mm-hmm. yeah and it's fascinating. Because okay. it's, uh, every character in, in it is a real person. Was a real person oh, in history. Okay. So it, it's is it a a narrative? Is it like a scripted narrative show about this? Like, are there made up characters? Like, every character is an actual historical figure. So is it more uh, like historical fiction or what? Yeah, it's it's kind of every character is real except I don't think the main character is a real person. Okay. But everyone he travels with, I have looked them up, are real people. That's really cool. Yeah. And so there was um, King, I think his name was King Knut, C-U-N-A-T-E. Okay. Uh, also known as like Knut the Kind. And he was the king of England who like unified all of these tribes together. And yeah. like the only time England ever had peace ever Aww. was under his rule. And I'm like, oh, that's fucking badass. Like we get to see yeah. this character. Uh but yeah, so you follow this uh, this kid whose dad, who was a real military general, um, he was murdered by someone else. And so the main character is traveling with the guy that murdered his dad because uh, he wants to he wants to be the one to kill him. He wants to get revenge for his father. Okay. Uh, and so he's kind of traveling through the years as this group of Vikings is kind of bouncing in and out of the war. Wait, wait, wait. He's tra- sorry. He's traveling with the guy who killed his dad. Yes. Does the guy know that that's who that kid is, or is he hiding? Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. why would he let him be there and be alive? Oh, because he just doesn't care. It's, it's some just random kid who just wants to be. I th- I think he feels bad for him because his dad was like this amazing general. Yeah. Uh, and he killed him in kind of a more underhanded way. He it wasn't an honorable death. Okay. And so he I think he feels bad for the kid. Okay. So he just lets him hang around and be like. I'm going to kill you. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. So it, it kind of, the show kind of bounces between you because they only fight during the summers because they can't fight during the winters. Oh, that's fair. Uh, so it kind of bounces from summer to summer. Okay. Um, so you kind of see the kid grow up super fast. Yeah. 
Um, and it's cool. It, it's a very unique show, but I'm digging it. Okay. Mm-hmm. That does sound pretty cool, actually. It does. And it, it's none of the anime tropes that you hate. Okay. It's a very serious show. Vinland Saga. Yes. The, the first right. character you meet is Leif Erikson. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, so Vinland is what the Norse people called America. That, that was what uh, Leif Erikson deemed America was called back in the day. Yeah. Um, so Vinland Saga is all these people wanting to travel to this mythical land they don't know about. Like, they don't believe is real. They think Leif Erikson is making it up. Oh, okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, that actually does sound pretty cool. Yeah. I guess. How'd you find it? Uh, a YouTuber that I follow posted a video. He's like, hey, everyone needs to watch this. Yeah. Because I guess the manga's been going on for years. Uh, and it follows multiple different characters uh, through kind of this whole like 200 year span. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it, it's just a very interesting. I'd never watched like a historical anime before. Yeah. And this, this seemed like a, just a really cool place to start. That is a cool place. Yeah. Well, that's really cool, actually. Mm-hmm. And it's very pretty because it's well animated. Yeah. I think it's Studio Bones, maybe. It's okay. not important. Oh. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm learning. Aw. <laughs> yeah. It's like almost like reading a book. It's almost like reading a book. But there's action scenes. But there's pictures but and there's action. there's moving pictures. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of blood. It's very bloody. Okay. Well, one would expect. Yeah. It's Vikings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're awesome. What what have you been watching, listening, reading? Uh, I mean, we we've alluded to it a lot. I don't have a lot of free time these days because of work. Uh, so I find myself rewatching stuff that I've seen before, just to kind of have on the background for fun. Mm-hmm. And as I have alluded to other times, I love movie scores. Yes, you do. I that's like when I'm when I'm working and I'm really diving into something, I put on my movie scores, and so it's John Williams, Michael Giacchino. Uh, I recently started uh, re-listening to the Pirates of the Caribbean scores. Ooh, good choice. Which are amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so Klaus Badalt did the first Pirates, and then Hans Zimmer took over and kind of brought in his own stuff and then incorporated some really great stuff. I mean, the... Uh, the He's a pirate. Yes, he is. And the, the, I mean, the most famous song. Um, I think score. that was still Klaus Badalt. Okay. Uh, but, so when Hans Zimmer took over, he brought in like uh, the Kraken theme, mm-hmm. which is a Kraken theme. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. I fucking hate you. Did you legitimately have to stop and think about that for a hot second? I'm, I, yes, I did. <laughs> I hate you. You're, you're the worst. I'm done with this podcast. Thanks for listening, everyone. You can find us at Tim Talk Pod on Facebook, Instagram, the, Gmail, and. The, the pod. And Spotify. The boss there. Man, we were both really bad listeners. You can find me at Cam Dexter underscore adventures. The boss there made it so worthwhile. You can find him at Lordifer on Gmail and Twitter. You can tell him how bad of a person he is. Okay, but look, the Kraken theme is amazing. Uh, I forgot actually that his At World's End score is possibly his best. Oh, interesting. There's some re- it's really, really beautiful. Um, and then I didn't remember this, but uh, when it got to the point of them doing On Stranger Ties, it's Hans Zimmer, but uh, working with uh, this other composer, um, Rodrigo Gabriela, mm-hmm. 
who I had come across him. Um, he, he just he's done something big recently, right? I, th- I think so. Like, I mean, he's amazing. It's, it's got this, these fantastic, like Latin, uh, themes to it. So basically the stranger Tides, I thought that was just like whenever Penelope Cruz walks, I, th- I thought that was just the music that yeah, plays. That's basically it. That's him. Yeah. I, I haven't seen the movies in a long time. And I he didn't does know, Penelope Cruz's personal score. I, I mean, personal life. Score. If there's someone who deserves to have a personal life score, it's Penelope Cruz and it should be Rodrigo Gabriela. Who's amazing. But I didn't realize that's who it was. So it's a collaboration between them, two of them. So a lot of it is him doing a Latinized version of the Pirates themes. And it's a, a fucking amazing, amazing score. And then the, the fifth one's like kind of okay too. But I was re-listening and he's going, you know what? I kind of want to go back and rewatch the movies. So uh, I did watch the original okay. three again. Obviously, the first one still holds up. Fucking classic. Yeah. A great, great action movie. Super character-driven. Fantastic. The second one is actually pretty solid. It's got some really good set pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole sequence of them in the cages on the Cannibal Island is really, really good. Uh, obviously, the the three way sword fight of them on the island fighting over the the heart and like the chest, or the, the key to the chest. Yeah, them going into the the building and the wheel and all of it. Like really great set pieces. Again, the score is really good. I think the characters are good. I think Davy Jones is a great character. Um, the second one's really, really solid. It just, you know, it just is. Well, I feel like that's where it, I think that, I don't know if, if this is true, but I feel like that's the movie that started the two part finale. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, back to the future did it way back, that's way true. back yeah. in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but this idea of like one story broken up over two parts. Well, with back to the future, the story was over and then it was more of like a cliffhanger. Because they, they kind yeah. of resolved all of two. They, they did mostly, where with, yeah. with this one... I will give you that. Yeah, they they never... They don't... They kind of le- end with more questions than answers. Yeah, and they there's a lot of good stuff in there. Like that final shot of them realizing they have to go back and save Jack and uh, the music chimes in and Barbosa comes down the staircase and bites the apple. Like, that's fucking great. That's great, yeah. It's a really good cliffhanger moment. Um, I, I find that movie still really entertaining. That third one, though... I just rewatched it. Like I think it, it has, from memory, has some great moments. No. Not at all? No. Okay. It is so boring. Like, it it is a movie that is trying... Uh, it is a movie that is setting up some really interesting ideas. Like, oh, they have, like, the Brethren Court, like, the Pirate King, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. The idea of them having to release Calypso from human form. Calypso. Calypso. Like... You have to say it like you love her. <laughs> like, there's... Calypso, darling. Calypso. Would you please come, come, come here? <laughs> that's how you talk to lovers. That's how he. That's how that guy did. <laughs> You're doing your best, Rigetti. Yeah. Um, there's some interesting stuff in there, but it's just it's. The second one gets a little bit too messy and like, oh, everyone's kind of constantly betraying each other, and everyone's got their own agendas, and we're just jumping back and forth across ships. That all the third one movie is is just that happening nonstop, and then eventually. Uh, they have that one cool moment of them doing like the parlay on the the little stretch of sand out in the water. Yeah, and then like do another twist yet again, and then they're all heading towards this final battle. And Barbosa releases Calypso, presumably because he struck a deal with her. That's implied, but never stated. She gets released, grows super tall, becomes a bunch of crabs, starts a maelstrom, and then that's it. Yeah, they don't do anything with her. Also, they set up this whole idea of like this broader court of pirates who are not part of the finale at all. I completely forgot about that. It literally just comes down to the flying Dutchman and the black, black Pearl, Pearl like battling it out. And like that battle sequence is pretty well done for the most part. Um, it's like pretty well orchestrated. Gore Verbinski is really good about allowing you to follow kind of convoluted set pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, but it basically just, they set up all the stuff, this third movie, throw it all out the window to then resolve all the stuff that happened in the second movie. Hmm. And it just doesn't really feel like a payoff. And then still to this day, I'm deeply bothered by the fact that they kill Will and then make him become the new captain of the uh, Flying Dutchman. Yeah. Because we spend the whole first movie getting heavily invested in their relationship. And then by the end of the trilogy, they're essentially separated. We got to leave him wanting more. Well, but here's the other thing, too, that really bothered me going back through it again, is that especially in the third movie, you know, Elizabeth Swan becomes a captain of a pirate ship and then becomes the pirate king. And by the end of that movie, she's relegated to being a single mom living on an island somewhere. Yay. Like, <laughs> and it's like they really set her up as being like this total badass. Like, yeah. she gives the speech that rallies the troops, and she she has a spirit that a lot of the other people around her don't. And it really becomes a shame that then they, like, she basically sleeps with Will, gets pregnant, and then does nothing for the rest of her life. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's a fucking shame. Like, you kind of look back and think, how great would it have been if the movie ended with, like, Elizabeth being the captain and Will being, like, her Gibbs or whatever, like, her number two. And, like, them them having adventure together as a couple with her being the one in charge. It would have been amazing. Oh, I see it as um, the two of them rule the seas from opposite ends is she continues to be the pirate queen mm-hmm. and he conti- and he still gets to be the head of the flying dutchman. Yeah. Like that that I'm fine with. But now they're kind of the star-crossed lovers that you know, together they are the most powerful couple, but they can never physically be together. Okay, yeah. And I think that could be like, you know, that's kind of like a bittersweet. Right. It's it's tragic but potent. Yeah. Now that could have been interesting. Mm-hmm. It it just it really is a letdown. By the time you get to that third movie, because the second one actually is pretty good. I think because it's an incomplete film without a lesser sequel, yeah. it's uh, hampered a little bit by that. But like I said, there's some really good set pieces. Did you see On Stranger Tides? I've seen both the... Um, I've well, seen four the one and after five. that? It's, uh, and then Dead, Dead Man, Man Tell Tales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't super taken with either one of them. I kind of want to go back and maybe revisit it. I think, five, I think four is the worst of them all. Yeah, I kind of feel like those people say. Mm-hmm. I remember five being like pretty meh. Too. I think, yeah, I thought five was okay. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, I will say this. If you've ever been feeling like, hey, it might be fun to go back and, like, rewatch those, watch one, definitely, because it's amazing. And mm-hmm. two is actually pretty damn fun. And if, barring that, just go listen to the scores. Yeah. They're really, really good. So, uh, I guess those are my plugs, is two decade-plus-old <laughs> franchise film hey, series fine. and scores. But they're, yeah. they're really solid. So, yeah, that's it for me. Great. I already did all our plugs for us while you were laughing. That's true. <laughs> we, we don't have to do anything else. We're done. Yeah. Uh, but no, do it again, Cameron. Uh, if you want to reach out to us and talk about uh, Chris's horrible puns and how bad they are for the environment, uh, you can tell him at Tim Talk Pod on Facebook, Gmail, Instagram, and the one you don't use Twitter. <laughs> That's the one. Uh, if you want to reach out to me and, and send your, your apologies and condolences that I have to live with this <laughs> every day, uh, you can send me your, your delightful, heartfelt messages either at camera.dexter or at camdexter underscore adventures. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you want to attack Chris personally. As all should. Yes. You can reach out to him on Twitter and Instagram at Lordifer. Well done. Yes. Well done. Thank you. You remembered. Uh, but no, thanks for listening, everyone. And as we keep promising, next week... It's Joker time. Joker time. It's funny time. Yeah. It's going to be a real laugh. All it takes is one bad day or two bad hours. Yeah. Oh, boy. Thanks for listening, guys. (laughs) Thanks. Bye.